Trainer. Yo, yo, this is Justin, Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. It is a Zach Sang Show. We got Dan. We got me. And we welcome Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Macklemore, All to right. the studio. <laughs> Thank you for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We were uh, we were talking about life, and I, I I feel like I got too deep on relationships here in Los Angeles. It was kind of the I, I I you just have very welcoming eyes. Thank you. You know, there's there's no such thing as too deep. You're right. I would much rather go to a place of real, vulnerable human than you know contrived cliche. Do you feel like you're always in a genuine space or have you found that sometimes you kind of go into the cliche space? Because it's easy to get lost in that yes. kitschy, pukey, fake smile type yes. thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's um difficult in certain environments to show up in an authentic way. Yeah. And, you know, I... You know, a lot of it is, speaking, a step and repeat. It's a lot of step and repeat in terms of this industry of just keeping it pushing, going, moving, driving to the next station or the next interview or the next TV thing. Um, and it's, you have to remember to be a human in these moments. And that, um, you know, that's what, that's what makes you special. That's what makes you who you are. Like, don't lose that just because this is part of the, the job. You need to be who you are all the time. Throughout this journey so far, do you feel like there's been moments where you've lost yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of moments I've lost myself. You know, I think Thrift Shop happened so quickly. You know, I've been making music forever, but Thrift Shop really took off fast and went viral fast. And, um, you know, I was kind of like shot to the top of the ladder in terms of the industry. And there was definitely a moment there where, for one, I didn't want to be just the thrift shop guy. You know, I knew my music was so much more than that. Um, and two, like, you know, just adapting to to fame and stardom and notoriety and lack of privacy and all these things that happen. Um, you know, it was definitely an adjustment period. And I kind of went on the escape route for a while in terms of, like, coping with all of that. Very little sleep. And... Um, yeah, I definitely lost myself. So it, it took some time. How do you how, how do you regain yourself after that? Because thrift shop happens, and like you said, it, it takes off, and fame is your new thing. But then, I mean, your entire being is now public, right? So there's losing yourself when it's private, and you being able to find yourself in the own privacy of your own space, and now your space kind of has this giant spotlight on it, right? Like I, I can't I can't imagine doing that like what what was your what gave you center what brought you back well i think excuse me there was a lot of there was definitely coping mechanisms in that in that space you know i i had been sober for a while i've been in recovery for a long time now and i fell back into drugs and wearing sunglasses inside and Mm -hmm. just kind of trying to get through it and um you know, whenever I am that version of myself, it's the worst version of myself. And I think, you know, the people that were closest to me knew something was up, but also there's no, like, gauge of, like, oh, yeah, like, he's super famous now. Like, this is how he acts now that he's famous. Like, it was just like, oh, he's just adjusting to the fame. He's more quiet or he's reserved or he's wearing sunglasses or whatever. You're coping in a whole way. Yes. There was no gauge for that. And, um... 
yeah, it uh, it was a difficult time. It was a, it, in a lot of ways a great time, very exciting, but in a lot of ways, um, it was very challenging. And, you know, it's the funny thing about quote unquote success is that people think like, oh, you get a number one record or you get two number one records or, you know, you sell millions of albums or you're touring and you're playing in front of huge arenas. All those things that are like benchmarks in terms of the music industry of like, this is what success is. And on the outside, that's what it looked like internally. Um, I wasn't there for the whole time. And not to say that, like, the whole time I was depressed or sad or, or, you know, doing drugs. It wasn't that. But it was on and off. And I think that, you know, looking back, you know, it, it taught me a lot. It taught about, it taught me how to not tap into the outside public perception in terms of how it makes you feel about yourself. You know, if I'm paying attention to those voices outside, I'm never going to truly be content with who I am. And, but that's, you can't just figure that out. Like you said, it comes with time. It comes with trial and error. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. You've said before that like your greatest pleasure, your greatest thing in life is being a dad. Like that is priority. And you like, and, and over the last like year or so, you, you've kind of gone a little bit private. Mm-hmm. And you love that. You love that more than fame. You love that more than anything else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, t- to me at this point, like I want the music to resonate with people. Yeah. I want it to be played on the radio. I want it to be like heard. I want people to come to the shows. I want all those things for the connection of being a human and making music and watching people resonate with it. But when it comes to like the red carpets and, you know, the tabloids and TMZs and all that sort of stuff, like it's very, it's a fleeting world. It's artificial. It doesn't speak to my heart. And the more you tap into that world, the more you care about it. And it's this fragile thing. And the ego is just exposed all the time. And I would just rather be home in Seattle with my kid in my crib. Like That is what makes me happy. That is what makes me fulfilled. And that is when I'm truly at my best. And and obviously, it's can you have one without the other? Can you have true commercial success without having the pop culture side be consuming? I'm looking for that. Let's I'm looking for that. You know, I think, it, I think it's so. all it's all a balance and it's a difficult balance. You know, I was just on the phone with my wife and I heard my my daughter saying like crying saying like come back daddy. Like that's tough to hear when I'm like in the middle of a press day and going to do Jimmy Kimmel tonight and tomorrow I do another show and then I leave for Australia to do more. Sh- you know, that's yeah. difficult to hear. And um you know, I think of it in the in the sense of it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to, you know, for my career to be at home with my family all the time. It's a sacrifice to be out on the road and be away from my family. How do I balance it the best possible way? And that's that's an ongoing discovery. But it, just like before, it's trial and error. Yeah. It's figuring it out. Yeah. And this is real. I mean, would you say that this is a, a new chapter in oh, yeah. your life? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think with every album, there is a chapter. And um, this is a new one. This is an absolute, absolute new one. And, you know, even being a dad, like there's a lot of chapters that go along with being a dad. The, the chapters happen like weekly. It's like, oh, like this is a new person now, you know. Are you documenting the new people that you come in contact with or the new versions of yourself that you're coming in contact with? Yeah, I think, you know, we filmed the creative process of this album, Gemini. Um, so we got that. We got some really cool moments. And I think, 
you know, I don't want a, I don't want to live in a reality TV show, but at the same time, it is cool to be able to look back and, and let people in on my life, let the fans in, and then also to just have that for the archives. Yeah, it's so, a life. Yeah, Gemini is a new album. Really, I mean, dude, it's phenomenal. Thank you. I really enjoy it. Thank you. It's technically your first solo album since 2005. The, the album starts off with Ain't Gonna Die Tonight, which to me is just a clear message of resilience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's. Is there anything that you feel right now that could bring you down? Yeah, probably a lot, but I do feel, <laughs> I do feel strong. You know, I think there is a... Um, I think I have a confidence and not on some like ego stuff. Like I think I have a confidence in the process and the craft, but more so like a centeredness um, spiritually that I was lacking in, in the last album and the one before Um, a centeredness in um, being comfortable with who I am. and, And again, not tapping into that outside world for affirmation. And when you get that and you're making art because you love it, that's going to translate to other people. You know, like that, you know, I played this album. Somebody asked me the other day, like, what what the best compliment that I've gotten on this album is. And it was from my brother. And he was like, you sound like you're really happy. And that is the place that I was in. And it's how do I continue to stay happy? You know, how do I keep these foundational blocks that have created this album? You know, uh, recovery, uh, service work working with other people, um, being with my family, making art on a daily basis. Like, how do I keep all those things at the forefront now for this next chapter of really working the album? Because this is like the second half of the job. Yeah. How long did it take to create Gemini top to bottom? November to August, which is the fastest that I've ever made anything. And 16 songs on the album. Yeah. Only one song is you solo. Yeah. But we know now that Travis Scott was supposed to be on that record. This is true. What what was the hold up there? Uh, Travis and I, he was on tour. He had to go. We started it. It got like halfway done. He got like a verse. I needed some ad libs. He was, you know, going to send them. It didn't happen. The rest is history. I feel like he should have like a folder on his desktop with ad libs saying like it's lit or something. You could just plug <laughs> it. <laughs> just ready to go. <laughs> uh, I kind of had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you say your daughter's on the album though, giving ad libs somewhere? Yeah, she's uh, she's on Marmalade with Lil Yachty. She does a, a uh, hi in the background. <laughs> I was listening last night to the album. I was like, because I heard you said that. I was like, where is it? I could not find it. Yeah, it's in the it's in the hook. She's kind of tucked in there. I didn't want to get her publishing. But uh, <laughs> she's in there for sure. <laughs> is there a comfort you feel collaborating with other creators? Like, I mean, there, there, there is a reason. I've never, I've never met an artist who who collaborates or at least collaborates with one other person on a record as much as you do. And publicly, I mean, everybody collaborates behind the scenes. Sure, you give credit. Yeah, I think for me, I I've made music alone for so long that it's what's exciting to me now is to be able to get in the room with someone new and catch that energy, catch a spirit, and and make a song. That is what really fuels me. Um, And it also, I'm just not one of those MCs that's like, you know what, like, I need three verses, I need to be on the hook. Like, I'm like, yo, let's make the best song possible. And I might write the hook and have somebody else do it. You know, that happens often, is, is I'm like, yo, I'm not the voice for this. There's a better voice for this. 
let's get that person. And there's like, the one thing that I love is somebody like Mary Lambert, right? Yeah. Is getting to know her over the years. And obviously, I mean, you really gave birth on a public scale to her talent and ability and you showcased her incredibly. You've given a platform to a lot of incredible artists. Is that a part of you keeping the industry moving forward? Uh, I think it's I think it's part of me that that wants to showcase beautiful musicians, you know, people that deserve it. I don't know if it's as much like moving it forward as it is just like, you know, I I love Mary's voice. I love who she is as a human. Like, let's put her on this song. We don't need to get someone bigger, the, the best name. And oftentimes, like, when you do get that bigger artist, there's so many label politics yeah. and, and hoops and scheduling that you have to jump through. Like, I love working with an artist, like an independent, unsigned artist with, like, 2,000 Twitter followers that's super dope that the world doesn't know about yet. And is down to do anything and everything. Exactly. And it's like any opportunity <laughs> yeah. they're super, super grateful for versus like going into it like I need this, 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 this doesn't work. But truly just like showing up like I'm pumped. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And they're amazing. Willy Wonka. I love that song. Thanks. It's so good. When did you realize that this movie could make a great record? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I first heard the beat and I was just, I heard Willy Wonka in my head. I don't know where it came from. Gene Wilder popped up. And um, and I wrote the, you know, RIP Willy Wonka, watch the roof come off. And uh, it started from there. And then Offset, I met him at a show in the middle of nowhere in Washington when I was filming the Marmalade video with Yachty. And uh, took him out to the car, played him some music. And, um, you know, he came to the to my house like two days later, got in the studio and, you know, we listened, re-listened to the couple records I played, and I was like, I really want you on this one. I think he wanted to be on How to Play the Flute, but he actually, but I was like, I think we should do this Wonka one. And, um, you know, the rest is history. Wow. How did you find out that you were in Obama's iPod? You mentioned that on the song. Yeah, he, he told me. Really? He was yeah. just like, hey, by the way, got you on here. Yeah, he was like, you know, me and the family are fans, and uh, you're actually on the iPod. And I was like... I'm about to use that in a bar. Thank you very much. <laughs> what, what would you do if you found out? Like, what if Trump came to you? He's like, yo, you're on the iPod. I'd be like, take it off, man. <laughs> take it off. The world is crazy right now. The world is very crazy right now. Crazy. It, it, does it feel weird that you're not releasing music that is reflective of society? You know, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because it wasn't. It was like, it was so big to talk about, like, an an issue or like Trump's presidency or like yeah. you know and there's so many things that are are going on. I I never want to be an artist. It's like okay, people know me for like you know talking about social injustice. Like I need to have one of those on the album, and people think that I'm you know fun. So I need to have that. It's just like I want to get in the studio, and if the beat calls that, if if it pulls something out of me, like word, I will go there if it feels real. Um, but I don't want to do it because that's what people expect. Yeah. Um, and there's other ways to do it. It's not just music at this point. I have a platform that I can use that is outside of like making a song where I can still be working with youth. I can still be working on social justice, um, you know, issues, but I don't necessarily need to talk about it on every song or every album. I also feel like Gemini plays a different role in our lives right now, and I think it's more of an escape. Yeah. Rather than like a mirror. Right. Which, 
you know, art could be one of two things, right? Exactly. And there was so much of, of the mirror, you know, on this unruly mess I made. I just was kind of like, I just want to get in the studio and have fun and make art that, I, you know, I don't have to overthink it. I don't need to overcalculate it. I just need to feel it. Wh- whose story were you telling when you were making music with Ryan? Was it your story? Was it his story? My story. Yeah. Yeah, my story. I mean, that's the lens that I that I always try to write from. It feels the most genuine to me is to talk about me, my issues, my struggles, my triumphs. Like, I don't want to be someone that, you know, and, and I, I think telling other people's stories, like there's great songs that, that you know, someone's telling a, a, from a different lens. I think those are really creative. And I've done it before, but I tend to, um, I tend to tell my own. Is is that kind of what well intentions is kind of going through all those troubles you're going through right mm-hmm. is that written from your point of view like everything or are you kind of just trying to relate to all the younger people listening I think I think it's a balance of both you know I think that um, you know most of those bars are in there are things that I relate to whether they're currently something that I'm going through or not is different you know I think that um, drawing from different parts of my life and 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 experiences that I've had but then there is also a greater kind of social commentary on where we're at mm-hmm. in particularly America right now. Do you think Unruly Mess deserved more recognition? Um, it's tough, you know, I, there's still something in my head that feels like, you know, I am a backpack rapper from Seattle, Washington, and that I am extremely lucky to be able to be on the radio or to do interviews or that people even know I exist. So it's difficult for me to be like, yeah, man, like that should have gone double platinum. And, you know, it was it did it didn't do this because of that. You know, I truly feel like I am I am lucky and and blessed to be where I'm at. And, you know, I think that album was deeply personal for me. It came from a place of, um, you know, after the massive success of the heist and everything that followed it, um, all the praise, all the criticism, like going into that album had a lot of, I had a lot on my shoulders and I let that out in the album. And if I would have like not paid attention to that part of my personality, again, it just wouldn't have been real. It it wouldn't be what your music always is. Right. And I think, you know, I think the biggest thing with this one really mess is I'm really, um, completely proud of that album i i think it's a great album i think that um you know it's heavy it doesn't have the playback value of a gemini or the heist um you know you're not like oh i get in the car and i'm in the mood to listen to like six minutes of light tunnels or like you (laughs) know privilege or white privilege too for eight and a half minutes like it's it's an album that you're like oh like okay i see what he did here i'm listening to it either you like it or you don't um but it doesn't have the playback value of of some of the other music. But I think that's okay. You know, like not all music is meant to be played over and over and over again. What is what defines a real artist in your mind? Is it somebody who could release an album like Unruly Mess and and literally send a message and tell a story song after song, or is it somebody that could be reflective of I, I don't know, capture somebody else's feelings and and bring to light, you know, maybe not something that is so direct and so focused but more of a general sense does that make sense yeah i think that i i don't put parameters or boxes around um you know what is an artist what isn't i think that you know there's there's great meaning in some of the biggest pop songs on the radio right now um and then i think that 
the everything in between from like the kid making SoundCloud rap in his in his basement to to the biggest stars. You know, I think that we have the opportunity as artists to touch people's lives. And, you know, what that looks like is up to the artist and up to the to the person resonating with it. But, um, you know, I can't say like what is an artist or what isn't. I just I, I think it's it's all subjective and stuff that I might be like, yo, this is garbage. Someone might that might help somebody through their day today and get them through it. Have you taken time to really process your impact on music? And I say that because, at least from my perspective, you ushered in an entirely new generation of artists who believe that they can release music on their own. Yeah. And you have been ahead of the curve since the very beginning. Tom from MySpace <laughs> helped you out. You had a song, Welcome to MySpace. He blasted that song out. That changed your yep. life. You also meet your wife on MySpace, yep. right? Yep. And you ultimately meet Ryan on MySpace. Damn. I, I haven't even thought about it like that. But <laughs> I thought you were going to say, Tom is my dad. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> no. But I mean, but you've been, you also did a Kickstarter campaign at one point in your career. This is true. You were doing these things before anybody else was. You, you, there's, there's grassroots in everything you've yeah, been doing. Yeah, there's grassroots in my marriage. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, it's uh it's true, man. You know, we uh we definitely mobilized through the internet. And it's weird to think about that now because the internet of course is a big part of my life. It's, yeah. you know, social media, I'm on social media, you know, I'm refreshing Instagram, all that, but I don't think of myself in that like the way that I think about me in my head. I'm not like Oh, like you're an internet guy or whatever, you know, but it's been a, um, it's been a tremendous benefit to be able to reach people through, through our, our medium, you know, which is, which is social media. It's how we get our stuff out. And, and I do think that we are, we're in a time right now that's, that's better than ever in terms of connecting with people, you know, and, and having a presence online. And for me, it's all about a balance though. I don't want to live on the internet. I really, really don't. I feel freer when I have it off, but my career probably would suffer as well. But it's like, it's any bad thing. It's good in, you know, hopefully, uh, there's a phrase, isn't it? Moderation. Yes. No, things are good in moderation. So the idea that you get to disconnect and live life and then, you know, you go to the internet to share Right. The life with everybody else. It's a give and take. It's a give and take. Wow. Why does it feel like no matter what you do, there's always those kids on the internet that are like, Macklemore's whack, Macklemore's corny. I'm like, what is he doing that's so whack and corny? Who said that? <laughs> you definitely see those comments. You know, it, it, I think it just comes with the territory, man. I, I think that there's very few artists in the world that aren't experiencing that, yeah. you know, of... of that level of it's the internet it's just mm-hmm. where people go to talk you know <laughs> <laughs> everybody can feel like they can talk on the internet yeah and they can and, it, and let them do it you know for me it's um i know i know how i feel about my art mm-hmm. you know i i've made a you know a choice a long time ago to not tap into that to not read reviews to not be googling my name like that stuff, regardless of how great the review is or, you know, how bad it is or whatever, it doesn't help me. It really doesn't. I don't learn something new about me by reading, you know, what someone's saying in a comment section. Like, 
I know who I am. That derails me from the purpose. Is it hard to avoid it, though? Because you were saying you're always refreshing Instagram. Does it pop up? Like, how, how can you I not mean, there's a reason it? why I'm on Instagram refreshing versus, like, Twitter. But even Twitter, like, you know, I've been on Twitter since the album came out, and I'm on Twitter, period. But, like, there's been very little hate on, nice. you know, people adding my name and hating on the album or whatever. You know, I think it's it's Pandora's boxes is the Google search, is the looking up reviews. That That's when it gets, you know, you get in trouble. And I just, I don't need it. I don't need the praise. I don't need the criticism. Like, I, I hear it from the fans. And that is who I truly care about at the end of the day is, like, if people are resonating, if people are coming to the shows, if people are, you know are enjoying the music that's what matters why gemini um gemini is my zodiac sign okay are you i was gonna ask are you into those type of things uh i am everything that i've ever read about my zodiac sign has been super on point which is probably how everybody feels but um <laughs> it's such general statements you, like, yeah, you and me. every other white girl in america <laughs> yes all, me and all the white girls we really resonate with the zodiac sign. <laughs> uh i think that you know for for me there's a duality in it there's a, there's um a yin and a yang there's um you know two sides to me and the album has multiple sides it has way more than two sides but um you know i think with this album it was like can i make something that um you know can can i stunt can i flex a little bit can i can i rap can i make a pop song can i you know take you to like a a, a a deep dark place you know like there's all these different emotions and vibes which is what i always try to do on an album but i had never really um you know acknowledged the duality of the music and that that that's probably the only thing that's ever consistent about my albums and cohesive about my albums is that there is multiple sides to it if i was to listen to one song what's and, and my goal was to really get to know you ben haggerty not macklemore ben what song should i listen to to really get to know you Oh man. Just that I've ever made. That you've ever made. That's really hard. That is very hard. Uh, I I don't know if I can answer that, Zach. Do you remember the first song you ever wrote? Um not I remember the era. Okay. I remember like being in class in like eighth grade and tagging on the table and starting to write raps i don't remember like this is a finished song here it is but that was like the the era of me starting to rap was eighth grade and is that when you knew that you could rap uh, i, I might have thought that i could rap <laughs> i if i knew it i was definitely wrong it was a struggle for many years of getting any sort of progress under my belt. When did somebody validate you when did you show off your 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 newfound talent to a friend and they said hey I think you should try this out and keep this going. Well, they were probably lying to me, but it was... <laughs> hey, hey, it worked, You right? know, you, you got you to gotta get your three best friends to the show, and then they tell you that you killed it, and then you, you keep going. You know, I've said this before, but it's interesting now with the internet and the instant feedback that you can get online, whether yeah. it's YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever. Um, I, I think that that would have derailed me had I been able to have access to all these comments and feedback right away. You know, yeah. I think that that would have discouraged me at an age when I wasn't good, when I, you know, if I had access to the internet, then I shouldn't have been posting. Um, but if I, if I was posting, I think that it would have definitely taken, 
you know, the wind out of me and being like, oh, people hate, people think I suck, people think that, you know, I'm trash, I'm going to stop. What was that motivation early on? Was it you knowing that there's something special here? Yeah, I think that it, it was it was a passion. It's like, it, and I wasn't doing it for the for the sales or for the money or yeah. for the fame like that was never even on the docket like I never that wasn't a possibility it was just like the only place that I could really get uh shine was like in ciphers you know in in parking lots yeah. and park benches and you know outside of school like that was that was where I was able to to hone my craft like that was the stage and then you get a show and it's in front of 50 people or 30 people and then that's a huge opportunity like there was never this feeling of like oh this could actually turn into a career until much later i think anybody creating now a part of the next generation online should really listen to the first part of your answer right of you know you might not be where you are today if you had social media, you know, yeah. comments are comments, you know, people are not, people are not normally going to be nice, right. especially on the internet, but it's having faith within yourself. And it goes back to where this conversation almost started, which is resiliency, right? you know, and if you know what you're doing is meant to be done, you got to do it no matter what. Exactly. I mean, and, and that, you know, speaking of like the hate on the internet, I think it's all just a reflection of people's, their own insecurities you know, their own fears, mm -hmm. their own, um, you know, and, and maybe people really think that this is trash or that's trash or whatever, but um, you can never let that, you can never let that infiltrate who you truly are as an artist. And that is why, you know, I saw something today on Instagram that was like Meryl, Meryl Streep, is that her Street. I feel like I've never pronounced that right. Street, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she posted something that was like, um, you know, my first audition or one of my first auditions. Uh, they told me I wasn't pretty enough. Pretty enough. And um, that, that was a pivotal moment for her to either keep going or to stop. Yeah. And she chose to keep going. And, um, you know, 18 Academy Awards later. <laughs> In those moments, or 23, 23, uh, 18, 23, I don't know, an absorbent amount of Academy Awards. And, you know, that was that moment. It was like, are you going to let the fear um, swallow you? Are you going to let the hate get into your mind and create fear? Or are you going to push through this and be the person that you're truly meant to be? And maybe that never works out. Maybe that never turns into, into a job or being able to pay your bills off your passion, but at least you're still doing it and pursuing it. And that's what's, you know, that's, what's going to keep you alive at the end of the day. Does it bother you at all when people call you Macklemore instead of Macklemore? Man, I've heard it all at this point. <laughs> call me whatever, Ben. I mean, does it bother me? No. Does it happen all the time? Yes. <laughs> I have to be cool with it. I chose the name with the random syllables. Good old right, days. Just, well, just yeah. practicing. No, I just wanted to bring up Good Old oh, Days yeah. featuring Kesha. That is a single right now, obviously, in addition to Glorious, which is really uh, two incredible songs. The whole album, like, uh, 
really superb and really great listens. I've listened a few times now. and Thank you, man. Made me happy. Thank you. Truly. I, I heard that you shared Kesha with Ryan. You, you, She was in a session, right? That sounded weird. I mean, not like not like that, you, you know? <laughs> sounded very weird. Not like Eskimo <laughs> brother thing, you know? Like, this was... No, like, sorry. Sorry. It was one day, she was doing one session, right? Yeah. And then, like, you wanted her for this record. Yeah. Is that how the story went? Yeah, I mean, Ryan was working. He had been working with her on Pran. And she came up to do some other stuff in, to Seattle and finish praying, I believe. And um, Ryan from the jump was like, yo, you should get up in the studio with Kesha. Like, she, you guys are get along really well. She's amazing. You should definitely get up with her. Um, so I took his advice. And we were actually, she, somebody shared her number with me. And we were, she called me randomly and was like, I'm, okay, I'm going to start sending you voice memos and just hit me with like 15 voice memos of like her singing random melodies and ideas <laughs> which is just so like so vulnerable like i would never be like hey nice to meet you man uh yeah i'm just gonna send you a bunch of raps that like i haven't really perfected or like worked on that hard but like just to get the idea um so i really appreciated that and she just carried that spirit into the studio you want that vulnerability out of a collaborator though, definitely right? absolutely that's what makes the magic it's instant com it's comfort yeah, I was talking about it. We Offset and I were rehearsing last night for Willy Wonka tonight on Kimmel, and um, he was saying, you know, from the jump when I played him the records, he was saying, um, you know, I, I, I want to come to you. I don't want to do, like, some internet file share type thing. Like, I want to be in the room with you. I want you to be able to tell me if my verse is whack or if I need to change this. Like, that is what makes a good collaboration. You appreciate that. Yeah, that's what. That's how we're both going to get the best out of each other is when we're able to be vulnerable. Because there's other moments, and we were talking about this last night, too, of, like, being in the studio with someone, and it's like, no, you go first. No, you go first. And, like, there's this competitive ego thing that's blocking the spirit from flowing through the room and um you know i love the artists like kesha or, or offset that you know or yachty that just get in the studio and they're like i'm comfortable with who i am i'm about to just go in there and, and do the best version of me right now but that's a gamble every time because you really don't know who you're gonna get i mean you don't yes. know the person you you know the artist and you have an idea yeah but you never know you never know was there ever a time when you were recording this album where you're like i miss ryan yeah for sure um you know i think Ryan is a fantastic producer and somebody that has um, a direct vision of where to go with things. And I think that there was moments where, um, you know, you're halfway done with the record and you're like, God, like, I just don't know what this needs. We've tried guitar. We've tried strings. Like, we've tried to build the bridge this way and the chorus comes. You know, like, making a song is like a puzzle. Mm -hmm. It's like, and, and you know, you you do the outside perimeter of the puzzle and you're like oh, okay like i'm i'm almost there and then you start like trying to fit pieces in towards the middle and it's like this is a lot harder um and ryan is is someone that's great at the puzzle and um there's definitely moments where i missed him for sure i'm gonna ask you a deep question and it's as i look back and i just soak in everything you your whole body work as a whole how do you want to be remembered you know, you mentioned death in Ain't Gonna Die Tonight, and you yeah. kind of briefly say, you know, give my give my soul to the stars, mm -hmm. right? When you go, what do you want? What do you want history to say about you? I want to be remembered as someone that gave more than he took, someone that left something to 
to others you know there's there's the musical component of that but there's so much more potential than just music what did you do to uplift the community what did you do to pass the torch what did you do to um truly make your city a better place from your city your country a better place from the from the country the world a better place how did you truly impact people not just yourself not just you know the the stars and the accolades of what i can do for me but the true test of a human being is what they can do for other people and at the end of it all i would love to be viewed through that lens of how did he leave this earth and how was it created better because of it? And that's not just art. That goes well beyond art. That goes into service work. That goes into a commitment to others. And and that's what I want my legacy to be at the end of the day. Beautiful. Well, I have something else that's hey. not deep at all. I'm sorry to kill the mood. But have you ever thought about naming a tour the Mackle Tour? Uh, These are great back-to-back questions. I really like that. I just thought about that. <laughs> it's a good... The Maclator. Yeah. If I use it, I'll send a check. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> You've done that in your art so far, by the way. Going back to your answer, you really... Same love sticks out in my brain. You know, at the time when we were syndicating onto radio stations, no matter where they were in America, and it was every city. And I remember one city in particular, Escanaba, and they had a problem with the fact that we played Same Love. Because of how many complaints it got. Mm. But ultimately, the conversation that that song helped create really ushered in... You can say that that song really helped usher in some really incredible change. Yeah. Nationally. Yeah. Truly. I appreciate that. Hey, man. Aren't you going to Australia to perform that soon? Mm Mm-hmm. A couple days. They need it. Yep. They need it real bad. Yep. Will Professor Macklemore ever come back? No. No. (laughs) Leave that man in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ben. Thanks for sending the time with us. Thank you, guys. This really? is awesome. It means Appreciate a lot, man. Thank you. Thank you. Back more, everybody. Gemini is the album. Please do your soul a favor and check it out. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.